on a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking down the land through the sugar candy, was looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang a song of the land of Middle Canada. Hey there. This is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. I really vividly remember the first time I went on a real hike. And it was up to Amphitheater Lake in the Tetons. And I just don't think I was prepared for the magnitude of hiking that I was about to do. Basically me yelling and cursing. Why are we doing this? Why do we have to go up all these switchbacks? Uh, uh, like just being so angry and so stressed out and feeling like... Just feeling like I was just this awful, fat, stupid city person who shouldn't have been out there. Like I was in the wrong place. Who becomes a thru-hiker? Who? And, and how do you become a thru-hiker? Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. I'm your host, Gizmo, and this is episode number 26, The Origins of a Thru-Hiker. Now, thru-hiker stories in general don't have much in common. People come together from the most different, crazy backgrounds to become thru-hikers. But one thing that almost all thru-hikers have in common is a moment, or let's say an inflection point, So they have a point in their life where something happened that changed their path and turned them towards becoming the thru-hiker they would be one day. The point where it all began. But before we begin, a few quick items of podcast business. First, for the regular listeners, you have probably noticed that it has been several weeks since our last episode. So thanks so much for tuning back in and sticking with us. This episode has been very difficult for me to put out. Over the past couple months, I've been working a lot, like really a lot, well past the point of exhaustion and anything positive. As a result, I've been really stressed, I've been physically exhausted, and creatively, I mean creatively, I've been totally depleted. Over this past year in general, actually, it's been a hard and tiring year for me. Between my actual day job and this project, although I talk a lot about thru-hiking and spend lots of hours putting together a podcast that extols the virtues of the outdoors, I've been doing very little hiking and spending hardly any time out of doors myself. And the more I talk about it, the farther away my own experience feels, and the more distant and remote my own thru-hike becomes, like like a story I've told myself too many times until it's just a myth, a rehashing of something that used to be real once. The good news is, I just got clearance from my boss to hike the Arizona Trail this spring in March and April. And I am... doubting myself? I mean, I've managed to cobble together eight contiguous weeks of time off, and I'm going to use it to just go walking around in a state I already live in? I could, like, go swimming on golden beaches in Bali, or go ride the Trans-Siberian Railway, 
or maybe just finally be the super hard rock climber I always talk about being, but never put in the time to achieve. See? Uh, now you all agree with me, right? Beaches in Bali? Yeah, let's go. But don't, don't get too worried yet. <laughs> I think again about this project and about how I'm feeling these days and about what a long hike might bring back to me. And, you know, I actually interviewed my mom for this episode, and I'll talk about that in a little bit later. But when she was talking about her own experiences in the outdoors and what she gets out of camping and hiking, this is what she said. There's just something about it that changes my outlook on life. And it changes it for a long period of time. Not just, you know, boy, I feel better this week. It just sort of regroups me, puts me back in place, and and then I can go forward into the crap of my life. And if I can't take my mom's word for it, here's Rock Ocean. I also think everybody should hike at least 500 miles every five years to kind of search for those creative things and uh, draw sort of a, a, a new blank page so you can go somewhere else with your life and try something different. So maybe I'll listen to them, because I can think back to those mythical mornings on the trail, especially towards the end and the feeling of power and endurance and the strength in my body, and the satisfaction of knowing that I could ask incredible things of myself and that I could do them. And more than anything, feeling the deep, calm sea of my mind under it all, the vastness of it, the peace. So I'm not sure about it all still, but I promise I'm going to be on the Arizona Trail this spring. I have one more announcement, and it's an important one, but I'm going to leave it until the end, so let's get back to the episode. So, the point where it all began, or begins. I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know who I should ask? I should ask my mom, because I'm one of the lucky ones, one of the kids who grew up with their parents taking them every summer to amazingly beautiful places. Apparently, I actually have really been doing this my entire life. You went camping the first time just before your first birthday. And the campground had just a bit of a slight incline to it. So walking was more toddling. The ground would trip you up and you would roll down the hill and crawl back up to where you were and get back up and keep walking and never complain. Turns out, I've always been into walking around outside. Or at least I haven't minded having my face in the dirt. My day job is actually in geological engineering, so everything I do professionally revolves around rock and dirt, which perhaps we could have foreseen, but back to the subject. <laughs> Why was my family camping in the first place? I asked my mom about this as well. So how did you, how did you get started doing that? What did that? What did camping look like for you? We started camping just before my seventh birthday. We went camping. It was the year after my older brother was killed. And we went camping on a big camping vacation sort of to heal our family. And it worked out well, and we kept going. It was a way my family, my parents could get us to be together. It was inexpensive, and we could go see lots of things. It's interesting, you know. My Uncle Robert was hit by a car in front of his house and killed more than 20 years before I was ever born. And still, the shock waves of that were something that I could feel growing up. I didn't know, though, that it was related to all those summer camping trips that we took, where we would pack up the family suburban and strap our red canoe on top, for reals, 
and load up all six of us and go blasting as fast as we could out of the blistering summer heat of Phoenix, Arizona. Go beelining for those trees and those mountains. So when I think about moments where it all began, in some ways, maybe it was that first family camping trip of my mom's family. Or maybe it was that first summer where I got to walk around outside and just be free, possibly for one of the first times in my little life, to just walk and roll down hills and maybe eat some dirt. But although they led up to it, I don't think those are the moments that I'm looking for. Because I can remember a different moment when I was a little bit older. My parents had once again loaded up the family, crammed a bunch of bickering kids into back seats, and set off for greener pastures. And one of the places they took us to was Yosemite National Park. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I'm thinking 12? So we drove up and drove into Yosemite Valley and got out to look at one of those first viewpoints. And all of a sudden, I got it. That place straight up blew my mind. I had always liked to play outside, and I'd liked the national parks and places we'd been before. But I'd never gotten it before. Honestly, I don't think I was old enough. I don't think my brain was big enough to understand how big the world was yet. So I don't know if it was just the benefits of going through puberty or what, but I looked out across that incredible sea of white granite domes and trees and waterfalls and rivers, and I was completely blown away. And then on that same camping trip, my family went to Glacier National Park and to Yellowstone National Park and places everywhere in between and had run-ins with bears and windstorms and torrential rains and tent collapses and soaked sleeping bags and black clouds of demonic mosquitoes. It was just, it was epic. Things were never quite the same after that. And here I am. So a couple weeks back, well, okay, maybe several weeks back, Par 3 happened to be traveling through Philadelphia at the same time that Kimchi and Rock Ocean were also passing through there, and they were able to meet up. And I asked Rock Ocean to do me a favor and interview them about their start in the outdoors and becoming hikers themselves. Interestingly, both of them told stories that pointed directly back to a moment where things changed for them. So let's hear from them. This is Rock Ocean. I'm a guest interviewer, I guess, for uh, Sounds of the Trail. And I have Kim Chi and Par 3 here, <laughs> the two correspondents on the trails this year on the PCT and the AT. Yes, we just wanted to talk about how they began their outdoor life. Aha. <laughs> what exactly, what does that mean? No, I guess, uh, how did you guys start hiking? Like, what, what sparked the fire to get you on the trail? Um, well, for me, it started out just doing hikes as a kid. I don't know. My parents would take us out on day hikes and little stuff like that. I remember climbing Mount Lassen in Northern California a good amount of times. And then my dad had done a few mountains, and I remember my freshman year of college, I told him that I wanted to climb Mount Shasta. And I still remember that like drive home from there and being like, yep, I'm going to be doing a lot more of this, like, especially in the near future. I thought it was going to be more about mountains, but once the PCT kind of started forming in my head, that kind of took over. But it definitely started out with those couple mountain climbs. Do you, is there any specific moment on your very first hikes? My moment was actually 
after the hike, and it was driving that four hours back from Shasta to the Bay Area, and I just remember thinking, like, I can literally tell you what song was on the radio. It's like Fleetwood Mac was on the radio, and I'm sitting there with my dad, and we're not really talking, we're really tired, but I just remember thinking, I'm going to do that again really soon. <laughs> I still think about it, just because, like, I don't know if that was the moment where I was like, I'm going to end up doing a long hike or doing something like this, but I remember thinking... Something just changed, and something about this trip is going to bring me back. Nice. Did you guys make it up Shasta that day? We did. We did. I thought I was going to die at the top, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we made it up. And But, yeah, I don't know. I still remember that feeling of getting back down more vividly than being at the top. It might have been the mm. adrenaline or something, but, like, or maybe the nerves of having to go back down that route that we had just come up, and I just kind of wasn't ready to let up down my guard until we got back down, but I remember the feeling of getting to the car being much more intense and, like, yes, than getting to the top. Nice. And what was your next hike after that? Um, well, I told him I wanted to do something similar the next summer, so I went back to school, and then we planned and did uh, Mount Whitney on the Mountaineers route, like, the same weekend the next summer. So what kind of gear did you have when you first went hiking? None. I mean, it was like day hikes and stuff, so it was just like tennis shoes and that's it. But the one when I climbed Shasta, I think I had to like go rent a tent somewhere. Like I didn't even have anything. Like I just like I knew I wanted to do it and I knew I could, so I just kind of threw. I think I used like some spare gear my dad had and yeah. Nice. And how old were you? 18. I myself was 30 years old when I first went hiking. My buddy asked me to hike for 40 days and 40 nights on the Appalachian Trail, and um, I had no clue what it was, but I said yes, and it was really awesome. What about you, Kim Chi? <laughs> well, I grew up in Philadelphia in the city, so I never really went outside to do crazy stuff in nature. did a lot of urban hiking, I guess. So I'd hike from one side, one part of the city to the other. And then when I was 22, I think, I saw the Grand Tetons for the first time and basically fell in love. But I was, like, super scared of the outdoors and, and like, really scared of bears. And, and I didn't really understand, like, backpacking. I just would, like, hang out in the backcountry and, like, ring bear bells and, like, sing songs so bears wouldn't attack me. So I got a pretty late start, too. But yeah, I think once I started working in national parks and spending a lot more time out there, I realized I wanted to do a thru-hike and just spend as much time as possible living outside. So I definitely remember having those thoughts as a kid. It didn't. I don't think I even remembered that I had them until I went on the trail, but of being like, it'd be kind of cool to just be able to live out in the woods. I definitely remember thinking that. I think it was like reading like My Side of the Mountain or like where the red fern grows, you know, this old, old, about, like, the kid living in the woods, and I remember being pretty jealous, so that must have planted some kind of seed way, way back. Did you guys ever build any forts, like, in the woods down by your house or something like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We did it, I didn't even do that in college. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've done that recently. <laughs> I would say the same, same, same exact thing for sure. Even, like, living in the backcountry and skiing, we all have, like, secret forts where you go to, like, hang out and, and just kick it with your homies. Yep. Do you, is there any specific moment on your very first hikes that you, like, remember vividly? <laughs> I really vividly remember the first time I went on a real hike, and it was up to Amphitheater Lake in the Tetons. 
And I just don't think I was prepared for the magnitude of hiking that I was about to do. My friend and I actually recounted this because they took me hiking for my first time. And what they described it as was, like, basically me yelling and cursing, like, a string of curses. And just, like, why are we doing this? Why do we have to go up all these switchbacks? Like, just being so angry and so stressed out and feeling like... Just feeling like I was just this awful, fat, stupid city person who shouldn't have been out there. Like, I was in the wrong place. And then getting to the top and just being so overwhelmingly happy that I actually did it. And then just, like, riding on full endorphins, like, going down the trail and being like, oh, I can't wait to do that again. And then what was your next hike after that? And how excited were you to get back out there? I mean, I got lucky. We hiked every day. We hiked every day on that trip. So I got to go into, like, the paintbrush divide. I basically hiked through some of the most beautiful things, places I'd ever been. And I remember hiking up Mount, I think it was Mount Washburn, in Yellowstone and just like once I got the you know got over the fact that I was like going to be exerting myself and realizing what my relationship with it was going to be it was awesome so every time after that like anytime I'd go back out there and go hiking I would just be so excited and so angry so <laughs> that's awesome what about the first the first like hiker that you talked to about hiking like uh like the first through hiker that you met. Do you remember the first through hiker that a, you met? I have a funny story of like so I grew up living in Chester during my summers, which is on the Pacific Crest Trail, and I didn't put the clues together until I started hiking really, but I remember seeing a through hiker when I was like 5 or 6 at Drake's Bad because I was going on a day hike there, and I remember just seeing this guy and just being like wow, like, that dude's walking faster than I can run. <laughs> and I was just mind-blown. And he was super skinny, like, bearded. And I kind of, like, and you kind of realize really quickly that this guy's living out there. But I totally remember seeing a guy and just kind of storing it in my memory log and not really remembering it or thinking about it until I started hiking. And I was like, oh, like, that guy was definitely a thru-hiker. <laughs> like, that's pretty awesome. But I'd never met a thru-hiker until I got on the trail. Like... Yeah. When I met you guys, you were like the first through hikers that I had ever encountered. <laughs> and I wasn't even a real through yeah, hiker exactly. then. Yeah, exactly. And this was on the, the PCT last year when you hiked. Mm -hmm. Yep. So funny. How about you, Kim? Did you meet any like really inspiring people on the trail before you started your yes. uh, through hiking ventures? I met a couple people. I worked in Glacier National Park. And I worked at Mini Glacier, which is pretty much the end of the Continental Divide, or the beginning, however you want to look at it. Uh, Waterton's really not that far away. And uh, first I met a woman who was in her 80s who was hiking, pretty much hiking the whole thing by herself. And I just had no idea what the thru-hike was. And I'd seen, I'd hiked parts of the Continental Divide on in Glacier, but I just didn't understand what the full trail was. I just thought it was literally on like, oh, the Continental Divide. Um, but then I met two hikers, actually wound up asking them a lot of questions about thru-hiking, like what thru-hiking was. I mean, they were pretty ragged. They were at the end of their thru-hike. They are almost done. The weather had just been terrible. Like, knowing that they'd been living outside in high elevation in snow and rain in Glacier was pretty intense. I asked them a million questions, and I wound up, like, giving them a bunch of sandwiches and stuff like that. But I had no idea what thru-hiking was. And then I asked them if I could keep in touch with them because I decided after I talked to them that I was going to hike the Continental Divide Trail. 
And uh, I'd done a lot of hiking that summer and started bagging peaks and, like, actually understanding mountaineering routes and, like, getting a really good idea of the backcountry. And so when I finished my job in Glacier, so they met up with me and we went on a walk in uh, the Wis- in Wissahickon, which is just, like, a silly park in Philadelphia. And they kind of gave me a quick crash course in thru-hiking and really inspired me to actually, like, do my research and figure out, like, what thru-hiking was all about. I think once you have that moment, once you truly taste some of that crazy drug they call the wild, (laughs) there's no going back. Some people seem to be immune to it, which is baffling to me, but maybe the outdoors is like caffeine where it sends some people into heart racing anxiety fits and other people have an espresso before bed and go to bed. (laughs) All I know is that for myself, there really isn't anything else that's like it. Here we all are addicted to that thing we call life and a bunch of other nonsense that you usually just see written across the bottom of those inspirational posters, and trying to live our lives in accordance with the things we truly value, and doing our best, looking back in that moment and trying to find, trying to remember what it brought to us and where it's going to take us. To wrap it all up, here's our last announcement for the episode. Sounds of the Trail is looking for volunteers interested in being our 2016 on-trail correspondents. I know that there are a few of you interested, and I know that a few of you saw this coming, because you've been emailing me. (laughs) So here's the deal. I've just put up a new page on our website that says, Join Us. It has a description of what we're looking for and instructions on how to get in touch with me. And the basic outline is that here at Sounds of the Trail, we love the outdoors, we love thru-hikers, and we want to talk about all the different kinds of thru-hikers and all the different ways you can thru-hike outdoors, of course. So go check out www.soundsofthetrail.com and then get in touch with me because I want to hear from you. Like literally, like your voice. <laughs> There's instructions. So one last thing, I'd like to thank you in advance for having patience with me and my slow reply times in emails and Facebook messages Um, For the next few weeks, my workload is going to be really heavy again. I'm working through a backlog, and it might take me a little bit to get back to you, but I promise I will get to you eventually, and I really appreciate, all of us really appreciate, like, the many kind words and all of the support and the boost to get back on the podcast train. So, in the meantime, I'm going to be paying some dues towards my own upcoming thru-hike, and with that said, Happy New Year! Happy trails, and I'm looking forward to 2016. Big Rock Candy Mountain, you never have to change your socks. And little streams of alcohol come a-trickling through the rocks. All the railroad bowls at the tip of their hats and the railroad bowls are all blind. There's a little lake of stew and a whiskey too. You can paddle on around it in your big canoe. On the big rock candy mountain. On the big